Hey there, everybody. Happy Masterful Living. Welcome to week four of our Relationship Reboot series. So helpful to us all. (laughs) I'm grateful and thankful to be able to share these classes. It means so much to me that you're willing to take responsibility in your relationships and heal your heart and heal your life. I'm so grateful to be able to be on this journey with you. So let's start, as we always do, with a prayer, a blessing, a breath of gratitude. We open our hearts and we open our minds to the highest possibility of love, perfect love, living through us and as us. And we're grateful and thankful to open ourselves to an unprecedented flow of divine love and inspiration moving through our awareness, through our very being, through our life. Taking this breath of love and gratitude with my hand on my heart, I declare that we are wholeheartedly available for the higher Holy Spirit self to lead us and guide us in our relationships. We're willing to make the loving choices. We're willing to say yes to infinite inspiration, actively leading us and guiding us in all of our conversations and communications with our loved ones, with everyone we're having a relationship with. We are grateful and thankful to start again, to reboot ourselves into beautiful, loving, kind, compassionate, caring, generous, gentle, respectful, grateful relationships. We're grateful and thankful that we can open our hearts. And in gratitude, we share the benefits of our healing and our expansion with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we joyfully allow our healing to be. Let it be. And so it is. Amen. Yes, indeed. All right. So, before we get into some uh, new topics, I'd just like to see uh, who has been noticing giving to get, paying attention to that, and how those experiences are showing up in their life. Are you noticing that you have been giving to get or you've noticed that in others and how it makes you feel. You've been paying attention to that. Anybody have anything they'd like to share? Star two to raise your hand. Any greater awareness around giving to get? All right, Lori. Hey there. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, what I'm noticing is my whole life is centered around giving to get. Mm. I'm noticing that that I'm in the middle of the, a move, and I've done all these favors and things for my children, and they're not coming forward. They're not offering to help me move, and and um, that has been so disappointing for me. And I just look back at my whole life. I was trained to give to get. So 
looking at how do you live life just being loving and loving with spirit and generosity. It's a, a whole new ball game for me, Jennifer. Yeah. I um yeah, and just uh, just just realizing and recognizing that I don't know how. I don't even know how I I've asked for spirit for the week and and um you know, had a few breakdowns and and now I'm just waiting to be guided and uh and just listening to your class tonight to see the next step for us, for me. Mm-hmm. Have you uh, have you asked for help? Um, specifically, have I asked children? my children for help? No, yeah, I have for not. I <clears throat> well, what we what we've been doing is we're parents of children that are in their thirties, and mm-hmm. I have. Um, two moves to make. I've got to move to the storage center and then I've got to move to um, a home within about two weeks. So we'll be, we won't have a home for two weeks and um, then we'll move into our new home, which is my mm-hmm. dream home and it's coming true. But um, I, my husband has hurt his back. Last week he hurt his back, so he's no longer able to help move. I have, have I'm going to have to have surgery within the next couple of weeks I go to the doctor tomorrow. So you think, I'm thinking that my children need to step up and go, Mom, Dad, we see your pain. Can we offer to help? And uh, I'm so disappointed. I've just really been in a breakdown because I just so generously, I felt like I give to my daughter. I watch her kids and we play and we have so much fun and I just am really disappointed. So no, I have not come forward and said, get over here. We need your help. <laughs> I just keep thinking they're going to see something. that, But that's where I think, Jennifer, it's giving to get. It's that, okay, right. I gave you all these years, and I gave you, you know, I, I helped you move last year. Let's, it's your turn. And uh, we don't have that. So what's the meaning that you make of it, Lori? That I'm not loved. Right. That I really thought my children loved me, and I think they do. But it's um, been so. It's been I've I've gone to my ego with it, where I think that it's, you know, um, I must have not done it right, because they would be more generous in their giving to me. So I I know it's the give and get um, the, uh, relationship that you've talked about. Yeah. So do you feel like you have been giving in order to get something? I didn't know that I did. I mean, I with my grandchildren, with my daughter, I did not know that I did. Like, they've moved into my house a couple of times. I've always had, you know, they'll say, Mom, can we store things in your garage? And yes, 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 yes. I mean, yes, Mom. I Yes to everything that they need, everything, any request that they have for me. I am right there for them. But I didn't know that I was giving to get until I faced this dilemma that my husband right. and I cannot lift our furniture and can't lift our boxes. Right. And do you feel uncomfortable asking for help? 
Yes, I do. I feel like my ego, if somebody told me, if they told me no, I would be absolutely devastated. So it's like, give me so that you can prove to me that you love me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if that's why you're having this experience, so you can have this awareness? Oh, I think so, too. Absolutely. I do. I feel like it's just sent from spirit to just exercise that muscle. It is. But, you know, when when you get stopped, I read this section in Cause and Effect and and, uh, the, the, um, um, the thoughts section in A Course in Miracles, and I read that over today, and it just hooks. You know, this is a very, very big hook for me mm-hmm. to be um, to be so vulnerable. I'm so vulnerable, or I feel so vulnerable because, you know, normally I'm just like I kick ass. I'm like, get out of my way. I'll get this done. I'll lift this dresser. You know, and so being so vulnerable to having somebody step in to help is just amazing to me how vulnerable I feel. And the more vulnerable I feel, the more my husband feels vulnerable and reacts to it. Yeah. Can you describe the feeling of vulnerability? Fear. Um... Of rejection, fear of rejection, fear that I'm not enough, mm-hmm. fear that I can't, you know, that I haven't, I haven't um, given enough, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want my heart to break, so I've got to, you know, I'm covering my heart so that, so that I can. Um, Feel that safety net around my heart. And what Am is it that creates a safety net? Um, what is just it to protect to protect my heart so that I don't ask for, you know, I don't say, Jenna, come over and help me on Tuesday. Can you give me your time on Tuesday? I have to. What I've done in the past is I have to be in a very big breakdown. I have to cry. I have to lead my kids on to be um to be um guilty and then they come over and they act so out of um like I force them to do something or I feel like I force them to do it and so it's not yeah. present and so that's the pattern anyway of the past and I would right. I ask for a a better way a better pattern yes in my family Absolutely. And this is how you're bringing it forth. Yes. But even today I committed to talking to my daughter. But, you know, I kept thinking I don't want to have my voice be, um, I don't want to have my voice be ignorant or, or critical. And so I didn't know how to get my voice. So I was speechless. So she called and said, how are you today? And I said, I'm not well. I have been in a breakdown today. But she didn't pursue it. She didn't say, what, what, Mom, what's going on? She didn't pursue it because she's in her own stuff. Right. 
So I'm really grateful that you're sharing this, Laurie, because this is helpful to everyone. Because what you're experiencing is you're experiencing your thoughts made manifest and projected into the world. So you thought your children would volunteer to help you and your husband move, and they haven't. So what I'm hearing you say is the meaning that you, the ego makes of it is that you're not loved. Yes. So then you have a conversation with your daughter. She asks how you are. You say, I'm not doing very well. And she doesn't inquire. She doesn't show uh, compassion or anything like that or how can she help. So you get a further demonstration of your belief system, which is I'm not loved. Yeah. And that's how this world strong. works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you don't ha- just have to be strong, but what I've learned is that and I've learned this so well that the safest place in the whole world, the place without uh intense vulnerability is an open heart. Because it's like when we close our heart, when we shut ourselves off, when we withhold, it's like our heart becomes brittle and fragile and more likely to get hurt. But when our heart is open, it's flexible and available. So being authentic. Now, your feelings are not your children's fault because your 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 feelings are the meaning that you've made of the situation. It just brought back all of the memories of when I raised them as teenagers. They were so unwilling as teenagers. And then I'd have to absolutely have a fit to get them to do anything. And then I'd go away for about three, four weeks. I wouldn't ask them. After I had a fit and they did what I asked them to do, they I would go away. I would leave my emotions and I would just do everything for them. Everything was, you know, outlined. I made sure I would control that I got housekeeper twice a week just so that we wouldn't have to deal with helping mom. So it's a big old story. Yeah, there you go. And it's it's time for it to be healed. And it's time for it to be healed, yes. Amen. So are are you willing to ask for help directly without any guilt? without any manipulation. I am willing. Yeah, your dad and I could really use some help. Are you available to help us? Yeah. Very direct. Very direct. Yeah. Okay. We'd really like your help. Are you available to help us? When are you available? Here's what we need. And they may not be available. Yep, they're both leaving town this weekend. One's going to Nebraska and the other one's going to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Well, you, <laughs> And they have kids, right? Yes. All right, so you know how it is when you're going out of town and you've got kids. Everything, suddenly, all your free time is sucked up, right? Right. 
because you're preparing to go and you you know it's you're not just going with yourself you're going with kids it becomes a lot of work yeah a lot of times it's not even worth going sometimes because there's so much work to get ready and then so much work unpacking and everything when you come home yeah. so they may not have the the energy or the bandwidth right now And so give them an opportunity to say, you know, I just really can't do that right now. I remember one time a friend uh, had um, um, uh, there was a friend who lived a couple blocks from me, and she wasn't a close friend, but I I knew her, and and um, we had never done anything social, but we 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 knew each other, and um, from church. And uh, I knew she was going to be having eye surgery. So I said, would you like me to take you to your eye surgery and wait for you to have your surgery and then drive you back home? She said, oh, I'd love that. And then maybe, which I was very happy to do. And uh, six months later or so, she called me up and she said, hey, my car broke down and I don't have a car right now. It's in the shop. And I need to go uh, to this place, you know, about a mile from my house. Could you give me a ride there? Now, this is a perfectly fit person who worked out at the gym. And I said, it's a mile from here? And she said, yeah. I said, you know, by the time I drive to your house, pick you up, drive you there, and drive myself back home, you could have walked there. Uh, It doesn't take, you know, it takes 15 minutes to walk a mile. Uh, Is there some reason why you can't walk? And she was like, no. I said, because honestly, right now I've got so much going on, I'd rather give you $10 for a cab if it's about money or something. <laughs> you know? No, really. But sometimes people have asked me, could you pick me up from the airport? And I'd say, you know, honestly, I'd rather give you 40 bucks and let you take a cab because I just don't have two and a half, three an hours to, to do that right now. You know? It's not that I, I, and I love and them. Yeah. I'm just not a no person. I mean, boy, I just say yes on everything, you know, the superwoman syndrome I've lived under for years, and I'm willing, I'm willing, I want to have a different way. I want to have, I don't want to have a victim way. I don't want to have a martyr. You know, I can be a martyr, and I get it. I get it. I want to believe. So this is how you break it. You're right. This is how you break it. It comes into this type of scenario intentionally so that you can say, oh, my gosh, this is really something I want to give up. That's right. And then you lay it on the altar, pray about it, and then you're free, and then you ask. You, you learn, like I'm learning now that I just to ask, just like the gal asked you to, to go to the eye doctor appointment. She asked you. and, and if, But she, if, oh, you offered, though. Well, that was different. I took her to the, yeah. Yeah, I, I did. I did. Which that, because seems, I knew that would be a dream. Oh, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. For somebody to step in and just offer would be, uh, well, then that's ego again. Oh, but that would be no, such I a mean, gift. Here, here's the thing. So one of the things we're learning to do is to ask for what we'd like. We ask from the universe 
I'd like help and support with this. I'd like to know I'm not on my own with this. I'd like to learn to how to be a good receiver. Do you, do you feel, Lori, that you are much more comfortable giving than receiving? Absolutely. So this Absolutely. is how you turn that around. And also the experience that you're having is partly the result of that. Because yeah. you've trained your children, it sounds like, that you're the giver and they're the receiver. Yes. And so... That's how you've trained them. So they're just acting and behaving the way they should. <laughs> it's what they know. No, it's, just, it's what they know. It's what they've been trained. But if you can ask for what you'd like with no attachment. Yeah. And that's something most of people have to learn. So we learn to stop giving things a negative meaning when they don't go the way we'd like them to go. It's like spoiled, spoiled brats when we don't, when we get a no. I avoid being yeah. a spoiled brat. <laughs> yeah, but because but I've been asking it's, spirit and I've been receiving, and so that's such a gift that's for me. Right. I've been receiving, that's right. and now I take it to the next level. That's right. Which is a visual face-to-face no or a visual face-to-face yes, right? Yeah, and in your relationships. And, again, your children are are both planning to go out of town, so it would not be unusual for them to say, you know, I'd like to help, but I I just have too much on my plate right now. Or I could help for an hour or two, but that's, you know, I'm I'm not here this weekend. Okay, I will take that on. Yeah. Because this whole thing with your move has come about very quickly. Yes. It's very exciting. It's just that now we can't lift. (laughs) Now we can't lift. (laughs) Right. But, you know, there are I've never felt so old and so vulnerable. Just Mm. never have. But there's there's always people who can use some work who can lift. Yes. And we have you a belong people to people in mind. Yeah, there you go. A lot of times I'll you know, if you belong to a church you can call over and see who they know. Who needs work. Yes. Who has a truck and stuff like that. Thank you for your sharing, Lori. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for your gift. Yes. All right. So we can all relate to Lori. I think a lot of us can relate to Lori. Elizabeth writes, yes, I used to give to get, and now I'm conscious of not doing that. So it's it's a real habit that's ingrained in most people so it's a big change to stop giving to get because when we really love ourselves we we don't do that in our in our relationships when we really love ourselves we're able to be more upfront more straightforward 
And you know, you've heard me say before that chances are the ego will do everything in its power to get you not to look at these issues because the ego will keep itself intact and going and keep you feeling trapped as long as your relationships are codependent. And one of the things that we look at in this Relationship Reboot series is where are we manipulating and controlling in our relationships? And there are so many different ways to manipulate and control. So who has become aware of some of the ways they've been manipulating and controlling in their relationships that maybe they didn't even recognize before? Anybody have any of those to share? Star two to raise your hand. Got Jenny raising her hand here. Hey, Jenny. Hi. Um, Yeah, wow, this is a big one. Uh, So I had thought for the longest time that my family was controlling me because Uh it would always say, I'll call you right back, and then they'll never call me back. And I will sit there and wait and wait and wait, (laughs) you know. Um, and, And it was awful, and I would yell and scream and express myself and it was all for naught right and so then you know I'm having just this crazy thing has been unfolding over this past uh, couple of days and I go to leave and I look down at my dog this is the the second one of two I had to put the other one down in October but I used to do the same thing with her too and when I would go to walk out the door to leave I would look down and say, I'll be right back. Mommy will be right back. And, mm. I mean, it was like, it, boom. I asked, to, I asked for a revelation of truth, and bam, I got it right in my face. I was like, wow, wow. I, I do the same thing, and I never saw it. Rather than saying, I'll be back when yoga class is done. I mean, granted, it's your dog, right? But it's communication. Mm-hmm. It's it's putting it out there to somebody receiving it instead of saying, I'll, you know, I'll be back when yoga is done or, you know, I'm going to run out to the store. I'll be back in a couple. Instead, it's I'll be right back. And I could end up being gone for four hours. <laughs> right. And I thought, wow. <laughs> mhm. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about this thing. Your family says, I'll call you right back and they don't call you back. You get upset. And how many times did you say that's happened to you, Jenny? Oh, my goodness. It was almost like because I showed them that it made me upset, I I felt like it happened even more after that. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, as many times as you can possibly think. And it even happened tonight. You know, I called my mom, and she was at dinner, and she said, hey, can we, we're at dinner, and it was 7 p.m., and they said, we're at dinner, can we can we call you back when we're done? And I said, sure, absolutely, and I knew that they wouldn't have been done any later than 8, because they, you know, they go to bed early, and uh, they were out with people, and so they just, they didn't call back, and, but this time, I guess I forgot about it. When I hung up the phone, I just figured... I'll talk to them when I talk to them. 
Aha. <laughs> so you're breaking that pattern. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess I am. Yeah. And I don't know, Jennifer, if it was me being a literalist because I look at my niece, Giovanna, and, uh, you know, my sister Stephanie would tell her, give me a minute, Gia. And so then Gia would come back and say, Mommy, it's been 60 seconds. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I had to explain to her that, you know, people's sense of time is different. And I was here, I was explaining it to her, and I still wasn't understanding it myself. I, I don't really know what that means when somebody says, I'll call you right back, and yet they have no intention of calling you back. I don't know what that is. Yep. It definitely seems uh, uh, a bit odd, and yet it seems to be their way. So mm. what can you do so that you're not sitting around waiting? Move on. Yeah, have no expectations. It's hard when I, I mean, it's easier when I call for no reason Mm -hmm. than when I call to get information. Right, of course. And And that's something that has recently happened with this person who was, he and I were going to be business partners and, you know, he's working full time and, I I would say to him when we would finally talk on the weekends, I would say, I feel like I'm being held up because there's answers that I need to make that we agreed we were going to make as a, as a partnership. And without hearing back from you with, you know, for days or without getting a text response, I can't, I'm wait, I'm wasting time. And so it brought back all those feelings again of the times when I needed answers from anybody in my family. And they would say, let me call you right back. And I would never hear back from them. And I'm waiting on an answer. So when something is happening so pervasively, same pattern, Mm -hmm. then it's actually really helpful to us because then we can recognize, okay, this is my pattern. All these mm. people are responding to me this way. So there's something about the pattern in my mind, in my life. This is for my learning. So what I would recommend is to contemplate what am I to learn from this? What if... Perhaps in a previous incarnation, that's how you did you treated people. Mm. You said you get back to them, and then you just didn't, and you kept them waiting and waiting and waiting. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I have done that. I have done that in my when I was younger. Okay. So oh here's what we do: we forgive ourselves. And we can go into contemplation and we can ask to be made aware of who did we do this to? We don't have to, we don't really have to make a list or uh, know everyone that we 
treated this way, but we can say, okay, everyone that I ever treated this way, I'm sending rainbows of love and light from my heart to their heart. Anyone that I ever treated badly in any way, shape, or form, Mm. I'm sending waves of love and grace. And now Mm. I'm being taught by others, and I'm grateful for the learning. I'd like to learn this gracefully, easily, share the benefits with everyone, and move on. I'm writing this down. And there may be some other pattern or way in your life, in your history, it may not be in this lifetime, where you were disrespectful to people and now you're having this experience that feels disrespectful. And instead of making the meaning of it that people don't care about you or they don't love you, just say, okay, this is my lesson to learn. I'm willing to learn it now. Okay. You know, and and I I've definitely had I've definitely had as we all have, we've all had the experience of saying, "Let me call you back." And then the next day we go, "Oh my gosh, I was supposed to call them right back and I forgot." We've all had that experience probably. I certainly have. And I've had the experience uh, on the other side of it. And so sometimes in a busy day, I'll call somebody for just like you need some information or something, and they say, "Let me call you right back." A few minutes go by, ten minutes goes by. I'm not waiting anymore. I've moved on to the next thing. And if mm-hmm. I really need the information and they don't call me back, then I'll try other means like emails or text and say, "Here's why I called. This is the information I need." This is what I need it by. Can you help me? Yeah. Instead of going into that, getting onto that yeah. pain train and coming up right. with every reason why they could have possibly not called you, you know, called right. me back, you know, get onto that pain train and instead of moving on, that's what I had right. been doing. Yeah, that's what a lot of people do. So, Getting on the pain train is our choice. So when we get on the pain train, what is it that motivates that behavior to say, oh, now I'm going to go into anger, upset, resentment, rejection. What What is it about that that is appealing? It's, yeah, I... I think it's the playing the victim because then that means that you're getting attention in some way. Even if you're giving yourself attention, you're playing the victim. You're, it's it's the ego poking you in the forehead. Thing. Uh-huh. And what's the advantage to being the victim? Uh, or the martyr? You get sympathy, even if it's sympathy for, I don't know. (laughs) I really, I wish I knew. Yeah. There is no advantage. It weakens you. Yeah, there is no advantage. No. But, you know, there are, we've all had periods in our life probably where 
we were able to manipulate people like Lori was talking about. She would throw a fit and guilt her children into helping her. So we've all been taught that that can work. We've had people throw a fit and guilt us or blame us or shame us into whatever it is they wanted us to do or just to make us feel bad. And a lot of times people have this strong belief that they're bad or they're wrong uh, or they have a feeling that there's something about them that's just really evil, dark, despicable. And so there's a sense that that's why people treat them that way. Because I used to have this phrase that would go through my mind all the time when I would be let down by people, and I was let down a lot. So I finally figured out, this is my pattern. It has nothing to do with anybody else. Mm. And so I would have this thought go through my mind. You see, this is why relationships are not safe. They're not trustworthy. Hmm. That thought used to just come back again and again and again. And so I thought my experiences were proving that thought to me, that it was true. Now I can see that it's that thought that drew to me those experiences. So just going back to earlier in the year, first we have a belief. The belief magnetizes into our awareness the thoughts that are congruent with our beliefs. So if the belief is, I don't deserve to be treated well, I'm not supported by the universe. People don't really love me. Things like that. Then we're going to draw into our awareness thoughts that match those beliefs. So um, uh, people don't really love me, therefore I'm not going to be treated well. And then we have those thoughts. We may not even be aware of them, but we're constantly vibrating with that thought because like attracts like, then we have that experience. Mm. And so then we look at the experience and we say, oh, you see, there's proof that that thought is true. I had the thought and the belief that I'm not really lovable, therefore people aren't going to treat me well. There, someone just treated me poorly. It's proof. But the person who treated you poorly is just matching your belief system. My belief system. Yeah. Because now sometimes people are not trustworthy in my life, but I don't make the meaning of it that people aren't trustworthy or I can't trust people or anything like that. It's just when people are identified with the ego, they do crazy things. Isn't that the truth? Yes. Mm -hmm. So when we place our trust and faith in somebody's ego, we know we're doing it when we do it. Hmm. 
We know we're doing it when we're doing it. A lot of times, so many times I've asked people, did you have any intuition whatsoever that that was not a good move? And almost always people say, yeah, I did. I said, and when that intuition came, what did you do? They said, I really didn't want to think about that. I just wanted what I wanted. So sometimes we like to feel this righteous anger, this righteous upset. But the truth is, it's very disturbing. And these are old patterns and we're healing them. Wow. Thank you. Anything... Yeah, anything else you'd like to add, Jenny? Uh, just just a super, super big, awesome, loving hug to you, to everybody in this amazing group. There's so much has... So much has uh, changed for me, and... Um, I just, for the first time in my life, I really can't wait to see what the future holds for me. Mm. And I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever felt that way. I've never felt that way. And now I'm excited. Beautiful. Well, you're doing the work, Jenny. Thank you. You're welcome, sweetie. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah. This is takes courage to do this work. Takes courage to look at these patterns and take ownership and responsibility of them without any blame. We're healing things, patterns that are ancient in our awareness. And we're doing it not just for ourselves, but for all beings. We're taking our relationships from ego-based relationships to holy relationships. And the light of God cannot fail, and that's what we are. So the only failure we could have is to give up, and we can only give up temporarily. So sometimes we get overwhelmed, we can take a pause, but we don't have to give up. So we're cultivating that willingness. And the willingness to practice being a good receiver. So if you're experiencing lack or the kinds of experiences that Jenny and Lori have shared about, then we're we're praying to be a good receiver. I'm willing to be a good receiver. I'm willing to receive the good of the universe. I'm opening up the floodgates of goodness. Yes. I'm willing to receive a Niagara Falls of goodness. In my life, in my heart, in my mind, in my body temple. We're we're really shifting here. Because when we go into resentment, 
like Lori and Jenny were talking about, then we have the attachment to how we think it should be, and we're not in the love. We can't be in resentment and in the flow of love at the same time. So that's why it feels so difficult. So this is how we learn to give up our attachments. And it takes a lot of practice. And it's one of the most worthwhile things to learn how to practice, I know. I still find myself giving up attachments every day, all kinds of ways, especially traveling and things like that. It's interesting how I discover new attachments and things. We just keep giving it up and giving it up and giving it up. And then we start to realize that our life is so much more peaceful. So the way to feel secure and peaceful in your life is to be consistently loving. And that's really the only way to have peace and feel security. One of the things I'd like to talk about here that gets in the way of our relationships is giving advice. So in our Masterful Living community, we we learn not to give advice. So let's just break this down a little bit more. So giving advice is really, I think I know what people should do. But I really don't know what people should do. How would I know what they should do? I Sometimes I'm extremely intuitive, but generally I'm not able to see in all directions of time and space. And since I can't see in all directions of time and space consistently, I can't truly say that I know what things are for. And since I, I don't know what everything is for, how could I possibly give other people advice? And uh, I've learned this the painful way. So you've heard me say in earlier classes in the year, the five words that let us know that we're speaking from the ego when we say always, never, should, want, and need. We're usually identified with ego. The exceptions are The truth always sets you free. So always and never apply to the eternal, infinite spirit. But in the human experience, in the temporal realm, in the land of time and space, always and never just don't apply. So especially when we're thinking about someone we're in a relationship with, If we're thinking the words should, always, and never, chances are we are totally identified with the ego. And then it's time to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self, surrender the thoughts. I'm not interested in these thoughts, these patterns, these beliefs anymore. They only bring suffering. I've suffered enough. I'm interested in setting myself free and setting my loved ones free. That's all that I'm interested in. Truly, all I am interested in. So, I I can give you some really good uh, examples about giving advice. 
I, uh, I, I used to be extremely arrogant, and I always thought I knew what was best for everybody. And so there have been times when I have tried to give my dad advice. And he's gotten really angry. It's offensive because it's patronizing. You know, it's really, I don't know what's best for him. And he doesn't appreciate it. And he has said to me with anger, Jennifer, I'm not one of your students. I'm not one of your counseling clients. I do not want your advice. And so that taught me, okay, he doesn't want your advice, so don't give advice. That happened to me a couple of times, and then I finally got it. Now... What's beautiful is there are times when my dad is challenged with something and he will call me up and he'd say, I'd like to get your advice on something. And then he's asking for my support. He's asking for my insight. I don't ever tell him what he should do because I do not know the answer to that. I do not know. But I can make suggestions. I can say, well, here's what I've learned. These have been my experiences. If I were in your situation, this is what I might do. But I And I've really learned the value of saying, this is what I might do. This is what I could do. Or sometimes I'll say, you know, I think this is what I would do in your situation. But I don't ever say, you should do this or you should do that. Or you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that. Because I do not know. I do not know his path of learning. He does. And it's extremely important for me, as someone who loves my father, to affirm that he has the same access to wisdom and insight and clarity that I do. And I frequently go to my father for support. I ask him questions, get his counsel on different things. And sometimes he'll, he he will tell me what I should do or whatnot, but I don't take offense at it because I know he hasn't been trained like I've been trained not to give advice. So people do give advice. They don't know. They don't know any better. When I was uh, a long time ago, I remember one of my ministerial classmates came to me and said, you know what you should do, Jennifer? And the first thought in my mind is, I'll tell you what you should do. That's what I could tell you. I don't know what I should do, but I can tell you what you should do. You should turn around right now and stop talking to me. It's basically how I felt. Um, I did not appreciate it when people came to me and said, you know what you should do. And people come to me now and they say, you know what you should do, Jennifer? And when people do that, I just know that they have an idea that they're excited about and they're trying to help me. So I don't have to be offended that they're giving me advice. But most times when you give people advice that they haven't asked for, they will be offended. Most times. Their ego will be offended. So if people are offended when you give them advice, 
That's for your learning. That's for your learning. And you can realize that you are coming at them with the point of view that they don't know what they're doing and they need your help. Because that's disrespectful. Even if the strong appearances, people don't know what they're doing and they need your help. So sometimes people will come to me and they will, they have a desire to tell me their troubles or their challenges. Could be a friend, could be someone in a class, could be anyone. It doesn't matter. And if they haven't booked a counseling session with me or they're not in a class, we're outside of those uh, venues and they come to me with their troubles, like I do this all the time with good friends. They'll tell me their troubles and I listen with compassion and then I might say, would you like to know my thoughts about that? Would you like some help with that? And then most times they'll say, yes, I really would. That would be great. And then then we can have a dialogue and I can make suggestions and just tell them what I'm feeling and all of that. But they've asked for it. I'm not shoving it on them. Nobody likes to be viewed by anyone as though we're incompetent, we don't know what we're doing, and we need other people's help. It's a surefire way to trigger the ego. And a lot of people were raised that that's what elders do. They talk down to their children. They talk down to everybody. I remember such a good lesson for me one time. I was doing something with my nephew, like a puzzle or something like that. And my uh, and I was saying to him, no, Ben, don't, don't do it that way. No, Ben, no, no, that's not the way to do it. And I said that three or four times, and then my sister-in-law said, Jennifer, why don't you tell him what to do, you know, give him some help of how to do it, rather than telling him what not to do. And so, and I, that was great, you know. That was great. We can all learn from everything. And I could have been offended by that, but I, I'm really interested in learning better communication. And I'm wondering, does anybody have some examples of how they've learned some better communication skills and how uh, anybody have examples of how they've learned to not be offensive or to handle some of these you delicate situations in our relationships. Anybody have anything they'd like to share? Start you to raise your hand. Anybody have any questions so far? Okay, we've got someone in Van Nuys here. Hey there. Hello. Hi. Can you hear me? Hi, Jennifer. Yeah. Hi. This is uh, this is Alexa. Um, oh, hey. In Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. Hi. How are you? Um, mm-hmm. This is wow. This is really big for me. Uh, I just had a very interesting um, uh, conversation, I guess I could say, with um, a friend of mine a couple of days ago. Which this whole topic, and actually, I believe you even did 
did one of your um your uh, the daily express so that kind of touched a little bit on this i don't know if it was this morning or day day before or so but um yeah i i really have been working on on kind of healing a certain relationship and have been doing really well with that and and have seen some changes and i and i feel like i've i've really been learning to talk in a different way to people in that sense of exactly what you're talking about to kind of you know pull that shift back and um and 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 not just come at it as the oh well you know I I think you should do this or you know I've really been learning because I think I've done that a lot in my life um, you know and uh, and so I had this particular evening with a friend of mine and was going quite well but at some point somehow it shifted and we're both kind of um, uh, she she had expressed that she's uh, kind of listened to the course and she, or she's read the course and et cetera and we were kind of talking into that but I don't know if I was coming from a place of not being compassionate when maybe she needed to just have that and not have a kind of let's have a dialogue about this type of thing. <laughs> so um, mm. it really came up, and, it, and it's interesting because it, it didn't really even end co- completely well. I kind of had brought it back around to like let's just kind of – but it was it was kind of combative, and I, w- I almost wasn't sure how to handle it at some point. And then uh-huh. it, um, and, and it, and it almost came right back, and it was – and I go, okay, I know I'm projecting this. So what I kept trying to give it up to the Holy Spirit, like, oh, God, I went to the restroom and took a minute and was like, okay, this is not turning <laughs> the right direction direction and I was kind of and, and it just kind of kept kept along that and then she started getting very accusational and um and I kind of you know I got a little different and I'm just kind of wondering like what is that for it, it, it I just really came up in that sense because I think it was I thought we were on kind of the same playing ground you know um mm-hmm. because we both kind of talk about this but um yeah I just was like whoa what was that for and I think that part of me of the whole like oh but I'm I'm being you know not I'm being spiritual but I'm I'm trying to be in this you know loving harmonious um, way and and boy look look what just came up you know so um, anyway I don't know if I have a question per se I think it's a little bit of yeah I guess when someone is kind of kind of almost asking you to tell them like when they they are asking or saying like you know well what would you do or what do you think and you do and they just really still they or they just don't respond with the <laughs> But like you said, when you, you know, some people, when they, when they, um, when you ask them, you know, and they ask you for your advice or, or not advice, but, you know, for what you would do. And then they usually, and you said how you would tell them, well, this is what I would do, you know, or would you like to hear my thoughts? So, yeah, I guess something along that line of is how can you respond when it's, they do ask for your advice and then they really don't seem to want to, to be, forthcoming with uh or they're more than forthcoming with right they don't appreciate it <laughs> i guess i don't yeah. know i'm trying to yeah I, I know what you mean I, I i used to have that experience all the time not so much anymore so when you um were in that conversation or if you think back to it like if you close your eyes and you just think back to it what do you think was getting triggered there. Yeah, um I've been trying to I'm trying to feel that. I I think it's um maybe just something about um being tested or contested that, you know, my studying the course or having maybe these different thoughts of stuff now, you know, and looking at things in a different way, it felt 
Like, I, I think I was being kind of made wrong for having those thoughts or for, well, you shouldn't just be studying one thing <laughs> type of thing or, well, that's not the and, – and realizing, like, oh, yes, of course, the whole – that's not the only way, and it's not. But maybe I, I – there you know, I think it could have been that I, because it was so consistent with just what my answers kind of were or, you know, um, or my, my offerings were it, it kind of felt like you know, I was being um, – yeah, like kind of, you know, well, you're, that's not the right way or that's not the, you know, that type of a thing. I think I felt like there was a combat against my beliefs. Yeah. And here we go with beliefs. <laughs> yep, yep. So this this is one of the things that happens is sometimes, especially when we're studying something in spiritual principle, and it's somewhat new to us, and we're excited by it. And yeah. we would like to talk about it. We'd like to learn more about it and understand it better. We'd like to share what we're learning and and be able to have that um, dialogue. Yeah. For some people, it can feel really threatening because they don't know how to talk about it. Yeah. And so it's but they feel like maybe they should know how to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people, even though it's the furthest thing from your mind, they feel like you're telling them they're wrong for the way right, that they're doing right. things or the way that they're thinking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because uh, I, I think a lot of spiritual students have that, whereas, the, the let's say, the spiritual student, you... Uh, Alexa are sharing, and you're just sharing what you're learning, you're sharing your point of view, you're sharing your experience, and it can be perceived on the other side that you're actually telling them they're wrong and they need to change. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah, do something different when that's really not what you're saying. And, you know, there are plenty of times, like let's say, uh, you're a meat eater with a vegetarian, a, a new vegetarian, and they're so excited about their vegetarianism and it's going so well, it's making such a great difference in their life and they feel so great and you're sitting there eating a steak, right? <laughs> and it could be perceived that that they're saying you should be a vegetarian too, that your life would be better and that that you should stop eating meat and you don't know what you're doing and you're behind the times and stuff like that. And for some people, they would be saying that. They would be trying to convince you. Uh, I know a friend of mine had a had a kind of a militant vegetarian friend, and they said, listen, if you're going to eat dinner with them, you just you, you have to eat vegetarian with them because otherwise it's very unpleasant. Mm. You know. So, I mean, mm-hmm. we've all had these kinds of experiences. So it's having compassion because if people are getting testy and argumentative, I think the best thing is to have compassion and to do as you were doing, Alexa, to find out, hey, what's really happening here? And sometimes our mm-hmm. ego doesn't wish to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've been asking. I, this is very helpful, and I think it's <laughs> – I even said, I'm like, I have a feeling that I'm going to get some answers on the call tonight. <laughs> um, but that's <laughs> when you went into that. Right when you went into that, just mm-hmm. now I went, oh, there it is, <laughs> like right there. Um, yeah, 
I, I guess even to that extent, it's, I, I kind of don't know if I should just let it be because, like I said, it, you know, it, it, we didn't necessarily end on the best terms. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I should respond or just kind of say, look, I wanted to let you know that, you know, I, I, I know that that kind of took a shift and a turn. And I and I apologize if I made you – I mean, I don't know if I should even go there or do I or, you know, at what point do we <laughs> – just, you know, do our own forgiveness on it or go and actually make an action. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's it's very helpful to be able to say, you know, I don't feel comfortable about how we talked the other night and I just would like you to know that I care about you, I care about your feelings and it was uncomfortable for me and, and I'm sorry for that it went that way. And, you know, you Mm -hmm. could say, and if you feel like maybe you said anything that you wish you hadn't said, to just own that. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and just to say, you know, I started to get triggered and I I regret that. And I I hope you know that the most important thing to me is our friendship and our relationship and your feelings. Mm -hmm. And... and I'm sorry I got triggered. Yeah. Okay. That's very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> most people, because most people, I mean, look, when when you love somebody, you, you, most times you're going to have an experience, whether it's a friend or a family member or a sweetheart or whatever it is, you know, even at work or whatever. Oh, people get testy. And they, yeah. they sometimes, you know, they they behave, they're not on their best behavior. There are times when people get triggered and they can get sarcastic or snappy or snippy or whatever. And we we have to be able to just say that's not who they really are. Mm-hmm. And by building compassion for other people, we build self-compassion. By building right. self-compassion... We build compassion for other people because there's only one. So the more we practice non-judgment, the more free we are. Yeah, yeah. You know, and sometimes when we have a difficult conversation, it's really valuable to come back and, and open the conversation again and say, you know, the last time we talked about this, it was really difficult. I'd like to have another conversation about it. And um, I'd like to see if we can, I can have a more loving conversation about it. And I appreciate your patience with me. Even if you feel like, well, they were just as argumentative, you know, it's taking full ownership of our experience. Right. And, um, uh, and keeping it real because yeah. there's such a treasure in just keeping it real. I got triggered. I felt let down. I had expectations, whatever's going on, just to own it mm-hmm. and say, you know, I apologize for that and I'm I'm learning to do better. Thank you for not giving up on me. Right. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, because, you know, the ego will say, well, they're the one that started it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, most people, if we can be transparent and authentic and uh, just really be able to say, 
this is what happened, this is how it is, and take ownership of it, most people find that is so refreshing and so beautiful that it's deeply healing in the relationship. It means they can be themselves. It means that there can be honesty. There can be integrity. And because no one, you know, very few people are uh, in, in total integrity all the time. So we just, mm-hmm. we develop this great well of compassion and then our relationships become so much more loving and then we have less and less of these experiences. Right. Thank you for sharing um, that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. It's very helpful. Yeah. All right. And we've got Lynn raising her hand here. Hey, Lynn. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. Hi. Um, Since we started the relationship reboot, um, I've kind of put out there that I wanted all my relationships to be holy relationships. And I've noticed that the hardest relationship that I can have is the one with myself. Yeah. Really. um, This past week, um, my husband's an alcoholic, and I, I, I enjoy going to the meetings with him a couple times a month because it's, it's a community that's spiritual and that's loving, and they look at each other without judgment, and they listen to their stories, and I just, I really enjoy being in the presence of people. I love our community center, but I, I like to be there in person with people. And um, I noticed that this week when I went, um, I felt I felt really different I, because I'm not an alcoholic and I was among these people that labeled themselves as alcoholics. And I wanted so bad to just reach out and and communicate. And and my 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 ego was telling me, you could do this, you could do that, you should, you should. And it got to the point where it was, I was like bombarding myself so much with what I should do that I felt like I just, I had that thought, I wish my husband would park the car like way over there so I could just go sit in the car and seclude myself. But in my heart, I wanted so bad to just, just to, to socialize with these people and to not feel different or separate from them. And it was just a really, it was, it was a painful experience for me because I sat in that space and I felt so alone yet the whole room was full and everybody was communicating with each other and talking. And I, you know, I had these thoughts in my head, like, um, what could I have? What could I possibly share? You know, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm different. You know, they they might not want to speak to me. And I just kept battling with myself, realizing that, you know, asking for a holy, asking to see everybody that I meet in in the eyes of Christ. And yet I was, I wasn't even seeing myself like that. So it was just a really... Um, it was really a hard experience for me and I saw what was happening and I knew what was happening, but I couldn't lift myself up enough to go to somebody and say, hi, you know, my name's Lynn. I'm not an alcoholic, but I love this space and I love the energy. And, and I, 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 it was just so hard for me to do that. So I think that that for me, that holy relationship with myself is one of the hardest ones that um, I'm moving through. Yes. 
Well, I, uh, Lynn, I think it's the hardest for all of us. I do. I really do. And I was at the A Course of Miracles conference this last weekend, and I was talking about how most spiritual students go through a period, sometimes a very long period, where they feel so convinced that they don't have what it takes, that they're bad, they're wrong, that there's something off about them and trying to keep it hidden and feeling afraid of being themselves, thinking that who they really are is not very nice. Most spiritual students. And that's why um, last year, at, uh, or maybe it was at the beginning of this year, one of the calls, uh, I had a, a number of folks who had been in Masterful Living all year or a couple of years, and uh, I asked them what were their predominant thoughts when they started the year. And they all said, oh, I thought I'll never be able to do it. I can't do it. I don't have what it takes. And so we we have this these experiences like what you're sharing, Lynn, to bring these to the front of our mind and our awareness so that we can have healing. What is it you would like to feel? Um, I'd like to feel more connected to people. More, being able to be myself and feel accepted for who I am. And I knew in my heart that I would be accepted, yet there was a fear that just was so overwhelming that I couldn't step out of it and reach out and 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 be be seen. It was like I I felt like I was just a like a shadow in the background and nobody even knew I was there. But yet I I have this desire in my heart to be the light in the world. But I felt so dark and it was like you know I I felt like how could anybody see my light in this moment? I had all these thoughts going through my head while I was standing there by myself and feeling like so like I needed to like I wanted my husband to come and take my arm and say okay let's go or let me you know just to be he had gone off so I was by myself and I just felt like I I was alone I felt alone and separate and and lost and I I didn't want to feel any of those I wanted to feel included I wanted to feel connected and I wanted to feel that, and it just wasn't there. I just that overwhelming fear of just showing up was just like it was just so overpowering. I did just didn't know what to do, and I I prayed in that moment, and I tried to hold myself in the light, and and I knew when I when I left, I I spoke it, I I talked to my husband about it, and and I know I want to do it again. I want to go stand in that space again, and I want to build up the courage to be able to step through the fear and just be who I am, you know, and just be accepted for who I am and not have a fear of like, nobody's going to like me as I am. So I guess mm. I just want to be loved and I want to love and I want to be seen, yeah. connected. Yeah. Well, you raised your hand today. Yeah. 
you shared with us. And I'm so grateful to have this community to hear me. Yes. Thank you. Yes, Lynn, you're not the only one who feels that way. So many people feel that way. And so you're finding the courage and discovering that you can speak up and have a positive experience. You're doing it for all the people who are afraid. You really are. You're helping to break up that pattern. Thank you. Yep. You know, yes, and Lynn, people have the same kind of a pattern in different ways. So for me, like when I was in classes and uh, years ago, I would only speak up if I had something to share that would help other people. I didn't feel comfortable sharing my own challenges and feelings. I only felt comfortable really sharing information. Mm-hmm. And so I, because uh, I was so afraid of being rejected, I could only share facts. Yeah. Not feelings. And that's sort of where I was at because I had that feeling like, I don't, I, I, I don't, I, I mean, I, de- I identify a lot with, um, stories because, um, anything that happens to anybody happens to all of us. I mean, I feel the feelings uh-huh. that they feel when they speak their stories. So I identify them, but I always feel like, you know, I, I don't have a story to tell them like that, but, or facts about like, you know, the, that mm-hmm. their, their format but I do have mm-hmm. feelings. So, I mean, even when I thought about it today, you know, maybe next time just, you know, introducing myself, I'm not an alcoholic, but I love this group and I love the energy and just sharing those kind of feelings might open up a space for me. And I I, I just need, I just pray to feel more comfortable in my own self, in my own, um, in my own love, in my own heart and share that. Yes, that's a beautiful prayer. Yeah. Yep. Yes, and and we practice too when other people are sharing, we practice blessing them and Mm -hmm. giving thanks for their sharing rather than, uh, because sometimes people don't feel comfortable sharing because when other people are sharing, and I'm not saying this is you, but sometimes they don't feel comfortable sharing themselves because when other people are sharing, they are judging them. Right. Yeah, so that's where the judger always feels judged, the attacker always feels attacked, and the lover always feels beloved. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, thank you for hearing me. Yes, thank you for sharing. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. 
Yes. Yep, it takes a lot of courage to do this relationship work because it's so much about taking responsibility for our feelings, not blaming anyone, and being willing to look at our feelings. And our feelings are so helpful to us because our feelings let us know when our thinking is correct and when our thinking is not correct. So when our thinking is true and the thoughts we're thinking are really true, then we're at peace, we're in harmony, we feel good. And when our thoughts are unloving, unkind, judgmental, conflicted, then we don't feel peaceful, we don't feel harmonious. So that divine alarm clock is going off when our physical body, our emotional body, and our mental body are distressed. It's always because the thoughts we're thinking aren't actually true. And we can correct them and come back to peace. And it's our willingness that allows us to make that correction. And a lot of times we... We can't quite figure out what our thoughts are. We can't quite figure out sometimes even what the feelings are. Many times when I ask people, what do you feel? They'll tell me what they're thinking. They're not quite able to say what they're feeling. Many people are disconnected from their feelings and they can only really focus on their thoughts. But if you stay with it, you can say, okay, what am I really feeling here? Is this sadness? What's really going on here? Sometimes that's really worthwhile. Now, one of the things I'd like to share, too, is as spiritual students, one of the things we often do is we spend a lot of time journaling, looking at our thoughts and our feelings. And so, in a sense, we become like spiritual archaeologists looking at our thoughts and and beliefs and our feelings and and uh hopefully we're not analyzing them with the ego i used to do a lot of that but hopefully we're sitting with them with the spirit in order to have more compassion and to allow things to come up and then we can bring them to the light and have a healing now there are a number of people in our lives who they don't have those skills for looking at their thoughts and feelings and it's very intimidating to them and they do not wish to do it. But you can teach by example without poking and prodding them. So when I was younger, I was very disappointed that my mom couldn't talk to me about her feelings. And I thought she just didn't want to and she was withholding from me. It took me a long time to realize she just didn't have that skill. Even though she was literally about the smartest person I ever knew, she did not have the ability to talk about her feelings. She didn't have emotional intelligence. And so it's like going to the hardware store for milk 
right? That's an expression we have in the United States. Don't go to the hardware store for milk. Why? Because you'll be disappointed. They don't carry milk at the hardware store. They carry tools and and things like that, but they don't carry food. <laughs> so don't go there for milk. And so we have to respect and love and appreciate that some people are not very good about talking uh, about their feelings and not to push them or be disrespectful to them. Is this not kind? And kindness goes a long way. So this is one of the main tools we have in our relationship healing is really what's kind? Treat people kindly, respectfully. It's always going to come back to you. One of the things, too, is that our real relationships are really happening energetically and at the level of the mind. They're not really happening on the surface in the world of form because the world of form is an illusion. So our real relationships are in the one mind. A Course in Miracles tells us that there are no private thoughts because we all share the same mind. And the most helpful thing, one of the most helpful things in terms of having healthy relationships is to recognize that if we're holding negative thoughts about people, they are, in a sense, they kind of have to show up that way. And so the greatest gift we can give our loved ones is to surrender all the judgments and opinions that we have of them. And when we do then they actually begin to show up quite differently, quite differently. It's miraculous. So now is the time for you to practice that and really bring awareness to all the judgments that you have of other people, not just yourself, but other people, and release them from it. So the beautiful spiritual teacher Joel Goldsmith talks about our opinions and judgments of other people as bearing false witness against them in in the spiritual realm. So we're recovering from that. We really are. All right. Well, I, I would really love to sh- thank everyone who shared so deeply here today. Thank you very much. It's helpful to all of us to hear your examples. So thank you very much for sharing your personal journey. It helps us all see our own stuff when anyone shares. So thank you. So I'm going to say a prayer here, and I am going to uh, play a song. And one of the things I'd like you to uh, encourage you to do is to begin reading the book. It's in the Masterful Living Bookstore there on your website. It's Zero Limits. If you've never read it before, this is one of the favorites that people have each year. They find it life-changing. And it's Zero Limits by Joe Vitale. And I'll put a link in the Facebook group as well. And that book 
is about the teachings of Ho'oponopono. So it's the Hawaiian forgiveness tool. It's very simple. It's very profound. It's very life-changing. And uh, many folks in Masterful Living year after year say this is one of the most helpful tools that they have. So the Ho'oponopono teaching of forgiveness. So we'll... We'll get it, be getting into that in a couple of weeks, and so I'm encouraging you to read Zero Limit now. It also comes on audiobook. I really like the audiobook quite a lot. I like audiobooks very much. I like to listen to the voices. And um, the Hawaiian teacher, E. Haleakale Hugh Lin, is uh, quoted uh, in the book, it's really his teachings of Ho'oponopono. And um, in the audio book, he reads his parts. And I just love the sound of his voice. It feels so nourishing and healing to me. All right. So I invite you to take a breath of love and gratitude and be so grateful and so thankful that our life is the life of God and our mind is the mind of God and Our heart is the heart of God. Our word is the word of God. We are using our word to bless the world. We're grateful and thankful that we can reboot our relationships. We're grateful and thankful that we can have deep and lasting, profound relationship healing. We give the higher Holy Spirit self all the heavy lifting, and we focus on our willingness and our gratitude. We're grateful and thankful to allow the healing to take over all of our relationships. And in gratitude, we let the healing be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes. Sharing the benefits with all. And the song I'm going to play here is a beautiful song by Peter Mayer. And it's called Holy Now by Peter Mayer. God bless you. I love you. When I was a boy each week, Sunday we would go to church and pay attention to Consecrate the holy bread And everyone would kneel and bow Today the only difference is Everything is holy now Everything, everything, everything is holy now And when I was in Sunday school about the time Moses led the sea in two Jesus made the water wine And I remember feeling sad Miracles don't happen still but Now I can't keep track Cause everything's a miracle Everything Everything Everything's a Why from 
Everything is whole. 